This morning we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 to 12. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. Speaking on the topic, things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany salvation. Hebrews chapter 6. And I'll start reading at verse number one so that we can remember the context in which the writer is writing. Hebrews chapter 6. I'll start reading at verse 1. Remember, this is God's word. God's word that is true. God's word that is always relevant. Listen and heed God's word. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful for those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, be, uh, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is God's holy word. If you are a believer here today, I can say of you that there are times in your life where, where you struggle with assurance. You struggle with whether or not you're saved. But I want to tell you, God wants you to be sure. God wants you to have full assurance that you're saved. This salvation that he grants is not a sit back and passive look uh, at, at those who live the Christian life, each one of us have a responsibility. If we're saved, we have a responsibility 
to ensure that we're producing fruit in our lives. That brings assurance. Jesus said in John 15 and 8, he says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Listen to what he says. So prove to be my disciples. There is there. We, we have assurance in, in Christ. Christ has saved us. We can be assured that that his salvation, uh, the, the salvation that we, we have in him, it will bring us to the end. But in the meantime, there's something that that we're to be doing. We're, we're to we're to show the evidence of, of salvation in our life by our fruitfulness, by by living fruitful lives, fruitful lives of of dealing with sin, fruitful lives of prayer, fruitful lives of confession of sin when we sin, uh, fruitful lives that walk in the light and not in darkness, fruitful lives that uh, holds fast to the gospel, fruitful lives that bear fruit and 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 let it be known that that Jesus Christ saves fruitful lives. God God desires that we we live fruitful lives. And, and in doing that, we 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 gain assurance in the Christian life. There, there is no presuming there. There is no presuming uh, in the Christian life the, the writer of Hebrews. He, he allows for. For for no presumption in our salvation, we 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 cannot assume that we're saved. We 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 cannot assume that 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 we are are in Christ. The only, the evidence of that is by God's grace at work in our lives. That is the the evidence. God's grace at work in our lives. And so the writer of Hebrews he has issued a a, a stern warning uh, of apostasy, of the possibility of those who gather Sunday by Sunday, the possibility that that those who gather are not true believers. He he has issued this warning, but he he also is going to come in our passage and and he's going to bring a a balance. The author demonstrates pastoral wisdom and balance when when dealing with the sheep. He he warns of danger and he balances that warning with hope and encouragement. That's that's what we'll see here today, that there's that there's uh, hope and 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 there will, there's an encouragement for you if, if you are in Christ today. Let's look at the text. Let's look at the, the writer's confidence in, in these these believers that he has written this 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 warning to uh, in, in the previous passage. Let's look at his his confidence in them, that they're that they're truly children of God. Look at verse nine. He says, though we speak in this way. And again, the writer uh, has just given these Hebrew Christians a serious warning about the possibility of apostasy. Uh, and, 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 and what he's going to do, he's going to come in and he's going to, he's going to uh, undergird those who are truly believers in the congregation and, and build uh, them up in, in the faith. Uh, I was reading uh, Steve Lawson, uh, one of the, the magazines I got on expository preaching, and he talked about uh, assurance, the, the, the necessity 
of uh, having assurance in Christ. But he also spoke of false assurance as well. Listen to, listen to what, what Steve Lawson says. He says, worse than a genuine Christian who lacks the assurance of eternal salvation is the person who is lost but has a false assurance of his or her salvation. He says, this is the faithful delusion of being religious but lost, of presuming you know Christ when in reality you merely know about him. And that's what the writer has, has been has been about. He is given his warning. He, he, he knows that there are believers in the congregation, but he also knows that there are professing those who profess to be believers and they're not true believers. And, 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 and like Steve Lawson said, the, the worst thing for 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 it is, you know, is for a believer to, to lack assurance. But even worse than that is for a person to sit in church Sunday after Sunday and think that. And, and think that they're saved, but they're lost. So, so the author, he, he's not retracting what he said. He said, though we speak in this way, he's not retracting because what he said is serious and, and the danger is there. But, but, but he, he knows that, that his readers, that they're different, that there's something different about those whom he is writing to. There are some who are different. There are some who are not apostates. He says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, or I think the NASB says, uh, it says, but yet or but. And, and this is a contrast to what he has just described. He has just described uh, those who were apostate, those who have fallen away. And now he provides a contrast for those who are in the congregation who are truly believers. And notice the change in the pronouns. He, he says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, that there's a change in pronouns. When he was discussing the apostates, he referred to them as, remember, they. He referred to them as they. Uh, so he, he now is speaking to a different audience, those whom he, he does not consider to be apostates. And, and notice the tone. Notice there's there's a change in tone as well from the previous passage. Notice what he says. He says, though we speak in this way, in your case, beloved. There's a change in in tone. He calls them beloved. And 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 note this. This is the only time this term is used in Hebrews. This is the only time that this term, beloved, this affectionate term for the saints is used in Hebrews. And so why, why does he, he, he refer to them in such an affectionate way? Well, his goal is, is, to, is to assure them that the, the stern warning of admonition that he has just presented was done with loving concern for the congregation. He, he, he has been, he has, he, he has been harsh and he's going to come and offer encouragement in this text because of his loving concern for them. And also his confidence that, that those to whom he is writing are true believers, that they're fellow believers 
in Christ. Notice what he goes on and says. He says, though we speak in this way, in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. This phrase, we feel sure of, or we are convinced, or we are persuaded of, or we are confident of. There, there are things uh, that uh, that the, 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 these Hebrew Christians are doing that convinces the writer that they're, that they're saved. Uh, 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 Becker, in talking about this, this idea of being convinced, Becker said that, and this is it's in the perfect tense, he said the perfect tense always denotes a situation in which the act of examining and weighing up has been concluded and where a firm conviction has already been reached. The author has examined the lives of those who are in, are in the congregation and he has reached a conclusion. And so he said, we feel sure this is not just something that that is that is he, he makes in his uh, decision. He makes in passing, uh, uh, not a decision that he makes without observation. He says, we we feel sure or we are persuaded of better things. He, he has he has a, a settled confidence. He has a settled confidence based on what he has observed in their lives. Robert Martin writes of this, and, and I think uh, what he says here is can help us to understand the, what what the writer is saying here. He says the writer is saying, as far as I can see, and I believe and hope that my perception is correct. You are genuine Christians, and that you will hear me, and you will persevere in the faith. End quote. So so. He, he, he has confidence from what he has observed among their lives. But if he is confident, if, if the writer is confident that they're believers, we have to ask the question, why did he give the warning then? He, he gave this stern warning, and, 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 but here he's saying that he is confident. If he's confident, then why the why the warning? And again, uh, the, the, there, there's a danger. The, the, the warning light is on in the church. They're dull of hearing. They're, they're drifting in their faith. Uh, they're tempted to go back to, to Judaism. The, the, the warning light, the red light is on. None of them have apostatized yet, but, but there's a danger. They're, they're, they're dull of hearing. They're lazy in their ears. And, and, and the possibility of this is that it could lead to apostasy. Uh, Hugh said this, uh, quote, as we have seen in uh, verse five, uh, chapter five, verse 11, he said they are in general so far from making spiritual progress. They're not making spiritual progress. And he says that to all intents and purposes, they need to be instructed again in the first principles of the Christian faith. And, and, and listen to what he says. He says a stag, a stagnant situation is always an unhealthy one. The church is stagnant. They're dull of hearing. They're drifting. And, 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 and Hugh said 
uh, a stagnant situation like this is always an unhealthy one and indeed potentially fatal, he says. And there is a real pearl uh, that their community as a whole or some of their number in particular may decline into apostasy and reprobation, end quote. So the, the writer is confident, but he sees something that, that sees things that are, that are going on that causes him to be concerned because he has seen Christians follow or those who profess, I should say, those who profess to be Christians. He has seen uh, those uh, who profess to follow Christ fall away and fall away and become enemies of the faith. And because of this, this, this concerns uh, this, uh, this, the, the writer, uh, it, it concerns him because they are in a, in a, in a, in a dangerous situation. Uh, but, but, but he doesn't want to, to undermine the assurance, their assurance of salvation, even though he's concerned and he's, he's given his warning, uh, a concern in their situation. He, he doesn't want to uh, undermine the assurance of, of salvation uh, of those who, truly know Christ in the congregation because there, there are those who, who truly know Christ and he doesn't want to undermine that, their confidence. He doesn't want to undermine, but he want them to take the warning seriously. There, there's, a, there's a balance that a pastor has to have and, and he has to balance encouragement and he has to balance admonishment to, to, to give too much of, of one uh, can lead to a congregation that is that 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 is stagnant, and so he he is balanced, and 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 and, and he is determined uh, to 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 reassure them, even though he has just warned them. And there's you, you say, well, what is it that that he see in the congregation? Well, what is it? What what reasons do we have for confidence? Well, the first reason. Or, uh, or assurance of, of salvation uh, that he has, it, it doesn't reside in the congregation itself. It resides in God. It starts with God. He, he wants them to assure that, that salvation rests primarily in the character of God. Notice what he says in verse 10. For God is not unjust. What is the what is he implying here? That God is just. That God is just. He 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 is unchangeable. Uh, he 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 is righteous. He is good in all he does. He as Pastor Mark said, God is not double minded. This 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 is the this is the first uh, uh, uh uh, root or, or ground of salvation is, is in the fact that God does not change. If God has made a promise, he will keep that promise. Deuteronomy 32 verses 3 and 4 uh, uh, says this, for I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, uh, the, the rock. His, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. This this is this is Moses proclaiming that 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 God is 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 
that there is no sin in God. There is no darkness in God. God is he he is he is just and 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 he is faithful to keep his promise and reward those he enables to come to Christ. If God enable you to come to Christ, God will he will keep you. He will enable you to persevere to the end and he will reward you in the end uh, uh, because of your obedience to the word that 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 that, that is important. God saves us. God enables us. God keeps us uh, and, and he enables us to persevere to the end. He, he, he is not unjust. He, he, he is not double minded. He, he is he, uh, the writer says, for God is not unjust so as to overlook in the NASB. I think it's, it has so as to forget. God, God, God is not as you live the Christian life, as you go through challenges in the Christian life, as you struggle and, and, and at times as you, you deal with 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 problems of, of assurance in your life, the writer is saying. God has not forgotten you. God is not he, he is not he is not caught up with giving his attention to something else. He's not overlooking you. He's not overlooking your labor. He's not overlooking your struggle in the Christian life. He, he, he is not sitting by passively in heaven and, and he's asleep and not aware of what you're going through. God is not, he's not unjust. He's not unjust so as to, to over, overlook you. Listen, listen, listen to, to, to what Paul said in Philippians chapter one, verse six. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is not unjust. He hasn't forgotten. God is that if you're a believer right now, he's at work in your life. He if he began a work, he's going to complete that work. This is the this is this is the the assurance that we're to have. Philippians chapter two, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do and to work for his good pleasure. That God, God hasn't, hasn't forgotten at, at this very moment. It is God's grace that is at work in your life. That that cause you to to awaken this morning and have a heart to come out to the house of God. God hasn't forgotten. When you go and you're going through a struggle or, or a challenge and, and 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 you have this this desire to 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 stand upon the truth of God's word and prayer. That comes from God. God ain't forgotten about you. You, you go through and you're dealing with sin in your life. Now I'm talking about, about those who are believers here. And you're dealing with sin in your life. And, 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 and you're, 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 you've sinned and, and, and you, you later on you have conviction that, that comes about. 
you're convicted that that you sin and you're sorry and, and you're remorseful that you sin. Can I tell you that shows that God has not forgotten about you? God is God is not uh, he's not an unjust God. That that puts us in situations or circumstances that has no purpose. He put us in situations or circumstances that really he puts us there because he ain't that ain't God. Right. Says, well, God is not unjust so as to to forget or or to to overlook. What you're doing. And so he gives assurance based upon the assurance to them based upon the character of God. This is who he is. Listen, uh, listen to Isaiah, Isaiah 44, verse 21. (laughs) Isaiah 44, verse 21 says, remember these things, O Jacob. And Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. (laughs) Isaiah 49, verse 14. Sometimes in Christian life, we, we can feel as if there's a, a, a cloud between heaven and our lives that God is just not listening. He's not aware. Israel had that same problem. And so in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 14, but Zion said, the Lord has, has forsaken me. This is God's people. The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Notice this, this precious promise that follows. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. God says, yet yeah, I will not forget you. God remember his people Israel. God remember us who are here in Christ as well. And so he the, the writer points to, to to the evidence that that this is who God is. Your assurance, uh, my assurance of, of of what is what I see in your life is based upon the character of God, but also he sees evidence that there's a changed life, that, that their lives has changed. And, and he observes three areas in their lives uh, that, that he, he's, he has seen change take place. Sort of, to, sort of this is similar to Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 3, where Paul says, remembering before God and our Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul observed these things in the life of the Thessalonian believers, and and he thanked God for what he's seen. And the writer here is, in a sense, doing 
the same. He, he says, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. These 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 believers are, even though they're dull of hearing, even though they're drifting in their faith, uh, there's a there's a time when 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 they were at at work, they were doing the works of uh, of God, the works of, of the ministry, the work of, of serving others, which he will say here later on. And and so he, he, uh, he said, God, so as to overlook your work, is this teaching that we're saved by works? Uh, is 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 this a is there a salvation by work? He says that that God will will not uh, overlook your work. Well, we know he's not teaching that. That's not he's not saying that you're saved by your your the works that you do or or he he's not saying that there's something commendable uh that 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 he sees in them that put God in debt to them that that because of what they're doing that God owes them something now he he's not talking about that he's not talking about uh uh, these uh, works to 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 gain favor with God. What, what what is he talking about? So as to to see your work. Well, he's pointing to the fact that the this 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 work uh, that that they're doing is a byproduct of God's grace. It, it is God's grace at work in their lives that is that is causing them or enabling them or moving them to work for God. To, to, to do the work of, of, of loving others, serving others. Uh, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We see this mentioned later on in Hebrews. W- what type of work were they doing? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. And, he, and this is this is his benediction. In verse 20, he says, Now may the God of peace who brought again, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Verse 20, 21. Equip you with the everlasting good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. When 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 God saves you, God equips you to do everything. He's, it, this, this, he's praying that God would equip them with everything good that they may do his will. And that is true of us as well. That when, when, when we're saved, uh, God, uh, according to, to Peter, God gives us everything that pertains to life and to godliness we can we can we can uh do the work of 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 living the christian life because god enabled us to do that by that grace that saved us grace that saves is grace that enables grace that enables is grace that that brings about perseverance Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. Verse 8 through 10, Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
And that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God saved us. He placed us in union with Jesus Christ. He says, for we for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works is evidence of salvation. For we, we are his workmanship created in, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in it. So, so uh, this, the, what the author sees are the things that he says accompany salvation. Uh, these are not the causes of salva- salvation. They're just the things that accompany salvation. So he sees their work. But notice the second thing he sees. He sees their love. And he says, in the love that you have shown for his name. They, they, they had love, which is uh, this, uh, the, the self-sacrificing love, which is a fruit of the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, and so this is this again points to the to, to the fact that they're they're saved. They, they had true love that was produced by the Holy Spirit. And, and and the author says something uh just uh, you know if if you read this i haven't read any in any other place where it talks about love in this way and the love that you have shown for his name the 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 motivation of their love for one another was rooted in their love for god and all that he is. That that was the that was was where their their love, the motivation to love flowed from because of who God is. He says, in the love that you have shown, shown here, it points to something made visible. Uh they they uh, their their love was and because of who God is was was made visible in the congregation. In the way that they they serve one another, and that's the third thing that we see. We see th- their love, and then we see that there that there's a serving, uh, in serving the saints, because of their love for God, they 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 had this self-sacrificial love where they sacrificed their privileges, where they sacrificed their their preferences, uh, they sacrificed their comfort to serve others. Uh, in 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 Hebrews, Hebrews, I, I meant to read this uh, earlier. Hebrews, chapter, Hebrews chapter ten, verse thirty-two, talking about serving the saints, and we get a uh, kind of some insight into what was taking place in their lives. Verse thirty-two, but recall the former days. When after you were enlightened, after they they heard the gospel, uh, they he said you endured a hard struggle with suffering, and so they heard the gospel, and perhaps because of the gospel, they were being persecuted, they were experienced, they were suffering for the sake of Christ, and he says in verse thirty thirty three sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And sometimes 
being partners with those who, uh, with those so treated. Verse 34, for you had compassion on those in prison and joyfully, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you know that you yourselves had a higher, a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. So the author is, is well aware that, that they're struggling because of their faith. And in the, even though they're struggling and they're going through persecution, they're helping others. They're, they're cert- going through trials for these believers did not hinder their service to others. They, 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 they continue in the midst of persecution and suffering. They continue to serve others. And to the author, this is evidence of salvation. It's, they're not showing a lazy love. It's this a lazy love like like James described in James chapter two, verse 15 through 16. It says, if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? James asks that this this is this is a lazy love, a lazy love that that is apathetic toward the needs of others. A lazy love that is unconcerned with others, a lazy love that does not serve others. That's what this is what James is talking about. But this is not these beliefs. Uh, John says in first John chapter three, verse 17 through 19, he says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And he says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. There is a sense of assurance that comes about when we serve others. There's, there's a, a sense of assurance that we're walking in the truth when we serve others. These, these, these believers dealing with uh, tough circumstances says, uh, and the love that you have shown for his name in serving, this is the spirit, in, this is how they showed it, in serving the saints. And, and notice the little phrase, as you still do. They, 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 they have loved in the past and they are continuing to love even as the writer writes this letter. And so what this teaches us is that you can't build assurance of your salvation on what you did in the past. Uh, I, I came to Christ in the past and, 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 and that is enough. I served in the church in the past, and that means that I'm a Christian. I served once, but I'm not serving now. Assurance in Christ is ongoing. 
the, the, the greatest proof that, that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the, the greatest proof that you, that the new birth has taken place in your life is what you're doing now. It's, it, it's, it's not a past event. It's not about a past event, but it's about what is taken. Is God at work in your life where you know that you have new passions, you have new desires, you have have a, a new a, a new mind that, that you didn't have before? That, that you have a, a, a motivation and drive that you didn't have before? If you know God is at work in your life, this is the assurance that we have that he will complete the work that he began in us. And Michael Kruger said in, in regards to these, these three things, he said, he said, we can treat these three things as a litmus test for whether we, re- we are really saved. He said, because they go because together they express what it means to be Christ-like. And any Christian, no matter how long they have been a Christian, can participate in them at some level. End quote. So in the work, in love, and in service, he is saying that no matter how old you are, you can, as a believer, participate in these things. And so this 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 is this is the confidence that 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 he has, but he also has a desire. He, he says uh, uh, that he says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope. This word desire here is 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 not just a, a little desire, but it's an intense desire. He says we have. And once again, this this speaks to his this this his pastor's heart. This is a he says this he said we and we desire. This is an intense desire. This is an intense longing. And he and he and he says and we we desire each one of you. This is an intense desire. This is an overwhelming desire that 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 uh, each one of them be diligent. That you know, you say he says each one of you to show the same earnestness. What same? What is he talking about? What he just what he just talked about that that there's work in their life and their and the love and, and they're serving others. He said that that same the, that the, the same diligence that you're showing in those things, he says, show the same earnestness to have full assurance of hope. He 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 longed that each one of them. Be diligent to have the an eagerness or zeal to to persevere to uh, so that they can have full assurance of hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, such hope that circumstances cannot disturb. Such hope that stands firm in the midst of trouble. So he says, show the same earnestness uh, to have the full assurance of hope. Uh, assurance. Uh, is uh, in our lives is part of is our responsibility. Is our responsibility. And notice he says, each one of you. This this is to every individual member of the congregation who professes to follow Christ. And what this tells us is that 
you, you can't be merely a member of a church that is doing right and think that you're right. Because the church is doing uh, what it's supposed to do as far as fulfilling the, the mission that, that God has, has called for her just because that is taking place don't feel just because you're in the midst and you're not doing anything that everything is right with you. He, it, we are responsible. We are responsible participants in gaining uh, assurance in the Christian life. We, we are responsible. That there's, a, there's personal participation in this. And you say, why, why, why did you say each one of them? Because each believer, according to Romans 5, Verses two through five, each believer has had God's love poured out into their hearts. And as, as I said in, the, in the, the thing, that God pours out his love into our hearts. And what does that love do? Does it stay there? No, that love that God pours out into our hearts enables us to love God and to love others. And so each one of us, if God has poured out his love into our hearts, we're responsible for not only loving God, but for loving other believers. We're responsible. There's a sense of responsibility we have to, to, to not only love, but to grow in the Christian life. Turn to Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter one, Second Peter, chapter one, verses three through eleven. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Notice what Peter writes. The, again, this is this is to believers who are struggling, and and he writes this to give them assurance that they have what is necessary to persevere in the faith, regardless of what is going on in their lives. Verse three, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And, and notice, how, how do we get this? It's through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Verse four, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may, be become, uh, may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, because of this, because of this, he says in verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort, not just some effort, but every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours, and notice what he says. He says, for these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you 
from uh, and increasing. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to conform to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That there's a there's a responsibility that that we all have. To, 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 to press forward, to earnestly press forward towards persevering in the faith. It is your responsibility to persevere in the faith. It is your responsibility to persevere and bear fruit in your life if you are in Christ. And again, this, this is, this, this is uh, so that we, we, can, we can have assurance. And notice what he says in verse 12, so that you may not be sluggish. This is the same word he used for dull of hearing in chapter 5, verse 11. The same word dull translated there is is the same word sluggish here. And he says, so that each one of you are to persevere to full assurance so that you won't be lazy. So that you may not be sluggish. He's saying, I want you to be diligent to pursue full assurance of hope so that you would not be lethargic, that you would not be lazy, that you would not be sluggish. And and so and this teaches something about hope itself, because if you're a true believer and you understand what your hope is in Christ, that does something to lazy ears. Understanding about the fact that that Christ will come again and receive us to ourselves, that that if you if you understand that, that can shake off sluggish ears. Understanding our hope, it it opened dull ears. Because Paul uh, said this in Romans five uh, verses one through five. He said, "Rejoice in hope." There's something about knowing the hope that we have in Christ that just wakes us up if 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 we understand it rightly. Paul said, rejoice in hope. Because the temptation in this world that we live in, as we struggle with sin, as we deal with difficulties in life, the temptation is to be lazy. The temptation is to be lazy in hearing the word of God. When when things start going rough, when when circumstances began to, to impact us, we can get we can get lazy in our hearing. But renewing our understanding of the hope we have shake these things off. And, and, and when we have hope, instead of our circumstances uh, uh, making us uh, sluggish, when we have hope, we will persevere in loving and serving others. We'll get involved in the work of God. We'll get involved in building uh, in, 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 in fulfilling the Great Commission. When we understand our hope, 
we will get to work. So he says to, to notice or that you, you may not be lazy. And he goes on, he says, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This could refer to those who are in the congregation who are laboring in, in faith and, and, and in patience. Uh, in, in the Christian life, living the Christian life, or it may refer to that list that we're going to come up to in Hebrews chapter 11. The, the, the list where you call it the, uh, uh, the, the, you call it the list of faith, where it goes through and it talks about Moses and Noah and all of those, uh, all of those saints who have gone before and they walk by faith. He, perhaps he's pointing forward, uh, pointing us forward to that. Because next week we're going to talk about uh, Moses as well. But with regards to who it is, he's saying, uh, even, even for us, we're to imitate, imitate others who are in the congregation, who have demonstrated patient faith, and, 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 and those who are enduring uh, and, and striving to inherit the promise that belongs to salvation. So, so he, he's saying, Im, imitate, uh, find somebody to imitate. You know, I've always said, I've heard this, this wisdom uh, passed on to me, said you, you ought to have three types of people in your life. If somebody younger than you that you can teach, somebody your same age that you can share with and, and grow together, and somebody younger, I mean, older than you that can mentor you, that can teach you. So, so that, to me, that's, that's a well-balanced life when you have those three things, uh, in, uh, uh, three types of people in your life. And, and particularly if you got someone who is older, who, who, that you can look to and, 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 and follow their example uh, of living the Christian life. That, that is a blessing. We're going to talk about that a little bit on Wednesday night, talking about old age. Old age, uh, when, all that we go through in, in life prepares us to be old. All that you, all young folks, what you're going through now in life is preparing you to reach that point of when you get old in your life and, and you, uh, because by that time you've experienced losses, you experienced suffering, you've gone through, you persevered, you learned a lot of things. And by the time you get to old age, there's a lot you have to offer to the church. And so he says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Young people, get talk with the old gray hair folks that are in the church. Spend some time with them. Old gray have folks in the church. Talk to the children. <laughs> Get because you need one another. Kids need you. Young adults need you. Amen. All right. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us to live the Christian life not in a, a passive sense, but in a way in which we participate because of the grace that you have poured out into our lives through Jesus Christ. The Christian life can be exciting. The Christian life can be a life that is filled with enthusiasm. 
The, the Christian life can be a life that is lived with joy, happiness, and happiness because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And 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 this 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 grace that you have given to us and, and the hope that we we have, it is such hope that we can live even in the midst of dark times, we can live with joy and peace in our hearts. Oh, how we are blessed as the people of God. We, as Peter said, we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. And, 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 and knowing those things come to our awareness through knowing Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for us. There is no other way to, to gain uh, assurance in the Christian life outside of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is, this is what the author is doing in our text. He is shaking them from, from sluggishness, from apathy, so that he can go on and instruct them uh, about the, the deep teachings of Christ that will benefit their Christian walk. And so even for us, uh, if, 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 if there's a, a sense of where we are sluggish in our Christian life, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in studying and meditating upon the word, whether it's in church attendance, whether it's in uh, uh, prayer or, or in, in serving others, wherever there's sluggishness and laziness in our lives, Father, I pray that you, you will reveal it to us so that we can not only serve others and, and live a life that honors Christ, but so that we can have the joy that you said that, that, that we have in Christ. And we are only joyful when we're serving. We're only joyful when we love and when we're going outside of ourselves, when we're thinking about others more than ourselves. That is our greatest joy, self-denial, giving of ourselves, even when it's tough, and particularly when it's tough, those are the time in which you have allowed us to, to go through so that we can, can, can learn how to serve others. What a loving Father you are. What a, what a loving Heavenly Father you are. That you are a God who does all things well in our lives. And we thank you. We thank you that you have given us the, the comprehension to know you and to know Christ and to know your word that is for our good. We thank you that it is in Christ that, our, that we're able to live fruitful lives. And, it's, and we're thankful that you have called us together, this church on this corner. You have called us together to, 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 to put out, to show, to, 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 to make known the love that we have for you. We thank you, Father. In Christ's name I pray, amen.